0: 4Tales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at VigorBranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give 4Tales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hey, everyone. Today, I am joined by Ozzy Kashani. She is a self-proclaimed, but maybe also other people proclaim it, <laughs> uh, hospitality nerd, major problem solver, and melomaniac. And she she will tell us what melomaniac is. Admittedly, I didn't know. Um, so, Ozzy, say hello to everyone and give a little backstory.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me, Joseph. Um, I am like a hospitality nerd, so as you just said, and it's like one of my biggest passions, and I'm totally obsessed with everything hospitality. So in high school, I did this ROTC class, and I got to shadow the general manager at the Beverly Regent Wilshire Hotel. At the time, it was a four-season property, and that's where Pretty Woman was filmed. So you have the Pretty Woman Suites. and. When I was shadowing this GM, I fell absolutely in love with the entire concept of being a general manager, just working in a hotel. It was during the Lakers playing the Sacramento Kings in a playoff. And Michael Jackson was recovering from a surgery in the penthouse. And I was just like fascinated with everything. Um, Since then, I like moved away to school in Miami. I got an opportunity to work for the Miami Heat. I worked in restaurants throughout college, had the ability to meet people from all over the world in hotel school. Like you got Kids coming from Europe to come to school and obviously the States. And it was a really golf focused school because we're in Florida. Um, And then after that, I got recruited with Marriott and got this introduction into the corporate hospitality sector. So I lived in Atlanta. So I know that's where you're actually located. That's right. Um, I love the food, love everybody in Atlanta. It was such an amazing time. Came back to LA and I got introduced to this owner um, that was opening up the first boutique hotel in downtown. Los Angeles and this is like way before the establishment of downtown like right when the height of like the revitalization is happening so before you could like basically hail a taxi to like pick you up from the curb or uber or lyft um and so I helped market it brand it And I was really essentially the Minnie Mouse to the O Hotel. I say Minnie Mouse because I'm a woman. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like that, if you needed anything like that's you would come to me. And it was before, I think, Freehand and Ace Hotel. So really the first independent boutique property. That was so much fun. Um, Got the opportunity to meet so many people. We like... Brought so many cool events to downtown LA. E3, which is one of the largest video game conventions in the world, if not the largest. Signed a ten-year contract with them. um, Really helped. Yeah, it was it was great. And like I started a a no networking event in downtown to really get people together in our generation of like upcoming in the workforce back then, and just have a fun networking event where you could actually drink and have a good time. And it wasn't like your button-up suit suit and tie. And so we would also introduce um, new venues to the city. And so it was our way of giving back to downtown, but getting people from like the West side of LA to come in and all over to get introduced to the city, um, fell in love with that. It's still near and dear to my heart. It's one of my favorite, uh, places in LA. And I moved to Switzerland after that. I decided like, let me just go to get my master's. Switzerland is known for their hospitality schools. I go to school in Switzerland. I have an amazing time. Now I'm even more exposed to the international hospitality world and meet more people from around the world. Um, everyone from like Kazakhstan to Lebanon to Egypt, uh, to China was in really incredible. I've made lifelong friends. We still have like a WhatsApp group with all of us in it and have been to everybody's wedding and now everyone's having kids. Um, That's amazing. So I, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It was like, I'm so, I'm so fortunate to have had that experience. So while I was doing my second dissertation, I got a job offer with Swiss Hotel. And at the time, Swiss Hotel was under the Fairmont Raffles umbrella. This is like way before Accor um, acquired the company. And that was my exposure to now going into the corporate side of things and working across 30 hotels and having the opportunity to help general managers with their ROIs if they wanted to go into renovations, work with their VP of culinary, come up with food and beverage concepts for new hotels or renovating hotels. So that was really fun. Um, would have loved to stay with them. I had my favorite boss in this industry to this day is Lillian Rotin, and she still works for them. And she's like the face of Swiss Hotel. It's now under the Accor Accorabella. Um, I would have loved to stay there, but it is one of the hardest places to keep your visa as an American is Switzerland.
0: Oh, wow. They're very,
1: yeah, they're very strict about um, visa. So while that's happening, I end up meeting um, a person in legal from Hyatt International that happens to be on the same floor uh, of Switzerland, and they were moving their technical services department to Dubai. So I was like, I'm going to absolutely try to get this job. This is amazing. It sounds like my dream job. Dubai is literally the epicenter of hospitality with all these incredible hotels just popping up left and right. I think they have every single brand there except for a couple of American ones. But other than that, it's Vegas without the casinos on the water. Like It's so amazing. So I get this job and then I've had the opportunity to work across Emi, Southwest Asia, CIS and Russia. I mean, I'm working in countries like Uzbekistan and all these incredible places I would have never thought I'd been able to have some sort of relationship with. And then um, I work there with their culinary director, come up with food and beverage concepts, look at hotels through a design lens of operations with you. You can imagine like when you're. Talking to people around the table, like all the detail that that goes into even talking about like the door hardware, and having conversations with like eight people around the table like, which is the best door hardware to have in there. So I was just super fascinated by that um that job and that life that I had there. That was amazing. Uh, and then came back to l a. And uh, had the opportunity to work for a women's uh, group, which was uh, a company called Albright that's coming into the space of helping women in different stages and ages in their career. Hmm. And that was my invitation into the private sector world. So it was a private club for women. Uh, Men were always uh, welcome in the door as uh, enlightened men. So we would (laughs) love having men as guests. But really a very big food and beverage-driven concept and hospitality concept. So we would work with an amazing female-led team. We had incredible vendors that were female forward. So our uh, produce company was, a uh, Matriarch was in charge of the company. We had incredible women in wine. We had incredible women cheesemongers and bread bakers. And so that's where um, I was most recently. And now I'm in the process of kind of consulting for really cool um, concepts in Los Angeles and just kind of like navigating my way and seeing what's next because there's so much more innovation coming in and um, different companies that have like paved the way and kind of disrupted the market and I know one of the biggest names that everybody's been talking about the last like five plus years is Airbnb and there's so Uh many more right companies coming out that are at that caliber now that are coming in to kind of give the chain hotels a little uh, a little like looking over the shoulder.
0: <laughs> we'll get back to the show in just one minute. But first, to say the restaurant industry is tough would be a gross understatement. It takes a certain kind of leader to create and scale successful restaurant brands. The kind of leader willing to grab the bull by the horns. But what does that look like? That's exactly what I cover in my new book, The Bull-Hearted Brand, Building Bullish Restaurant Brands That Charge Ahead of the Herd. In the Bullhearted brand, I deliver profound, inspirational truisms through the lens of multicultural fables, folklore, and real-life stories where bulls play a heroic role. I couple these stories with first-hand experiences of good, bad, and ugly branding and marketing to deliver applicable, strategic thinking and knowledge. I'm kickstarting the book's publication to cover the cost of production and launch. On the Kickstarter page, you can pledge at different levels and receive Bullhearted gear From super awesome raglan t-shirts to limited edition hand-signed and numbered lithograph prints of the collage illustrations inspired by those bull stories. Please visit the Kickstarter page and support the project via a pledge, a social media share, or both. Now, back to the show. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, that's really healthy. I think that's one of the things that, um, look, I mean, the pandemic is, it's devastating, you know, but devastation happens. It's very natural. We still have forest fires. You know, we yeah. we have like commanded so much of nature, <laughs> but we will never command nature, uh, as silly as that phrase may sound. Um, and, and, you know, the pandemic itself, it, it just poses new challenges. And, I, and I've said this a number of times to a number of folks that there will be the ones who were not completely financially ruined by the pandemic who are poised to capitalize. Right. And, and, and that's the brilliance. I mean, the pandemic is just a pain point that needs to that that's really underserving it. I realize that's kind of cold sounding, but from this lens right now, it's 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 another challenge, it's another pain point. And there are gonna be those who step up to the challenge and dominate and and come up with something new. And that's really interesting, I think, specifically in the hotel space. So before the pandemic, we uh and, and myself um personally, professionally, saw a lot of momentum behind rethinking food and beverage in hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, no longer was it the days of the Marriott hamburger, lest we get rid of the hamburger <laughs> for Marriott. It's a, it's a good hamburger, but I do, I do wreck on it on purpose. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's the consistency of the traveling usually back then male. Uh, so it's the right. dependency of, Hey, I know I will have the same burger in Marriott Bethesda that I'll have in Marriott, you know, uh, Paris. Um yeah uh, but we're way past that and we saw all this great momentum and it just seems like the pandemic it, it just ruined it in a lot of ways or just rethought it. So um we don't have to hop directly into food and beverage but I think the big question is you have been a part of hospitality for a little bit. We won't say the uh, the, the number of years. And yeah, it's um, going
1: plus 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 now. <laughs> yeah,
0: just just a little bit. Um, <laughs> but how are things different today? than they were 10 years ago, and and maybe that question would be better answered with the pandemic's influences, and maybe a little bit not the pandemic's influences, because it was different before the pandemic, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, everything's like, you can never go back and say things are going to go back to normal, because they're never going back to normal. you got to look ahead in the future. Um, the first thing I would say is expectations of service has um, definitely changed. It's almost like expected to have a specific type of service. you got to up your game in this industry. Um, Even with the disruption of Airbnb coming into the market, the ability to have that connection and being that local feel within the locations that you go into. So a lot of hotel companies have shifted and even created new brands because of companies like Airbnb. And then the one no brainer is obviously technology and innovation has also changed I mean, it's it it takes so much time to go and build a property from when your conception to actually finalizing it and, and constructions over. Right. And so by the time that that's happened, that 60 inch TV that you have in your property is outdated. And like those technology, like digital menus and things like that are almost like. There, it's it is dated again because it's not mm-hmm. easy and simple like your iOS like right we say iPhones I mean it's funny because Clubhouse was originated with iPhone users and now it's only on um, Androids and Clubhouse being one of the newest uh, social network companies um, so that's absolutely changed and I think the way that you. You welcome your guests. The art of welcoming has also shifted. And I think that's what's going to have to be shifted because of the pandemic. What your interaction is with your guests before they even book your property. That's been updated as well. So that's ever changing. Um, and that's kind of the shift of where companies need to go into is seeing what's the ease of use on my website. Because People are so used to things being simple for them. A click of a button, I can get my pizza delivered to my door. A click of a button, I can call you on, on FaceTime and we can have an interaction like this. Or I can listen to a podcast anywhere in the world that's recorded and downloaded onto my phone. So that kind of ease of service needs to kind of be more innovative. And hotels are known to kind of be dinosaurs in that industry, right? In, in that yeah. specific thing.
0: Yeah it's interesting that you mentioned the the website because to date um most hotel most uh, of the major hotel brands have very strict standards as to what the website for that particular hotel should look like um yet with specifically F&B we see uh, more openness to um empowering and inspiring the hotel uh, either manager or ownership or both to create something unique Do, do you see maybe that happening in other areas like website where it's like hey we have some standards but really we want you to evoke that locality or that that specific uniqueness to your hotel
1: yeah absolutely i mean i think you have to also look at the competition of where you're going to book as well. And everybody has been trying to get people to go and book directly onto their website. But mm-hmm. you have companies like Expedia, Booking.com coming in. When you look at flights, you have apps like Hopper that like are generating different revenue streams to come, come inside to one app and then tell you where you should actually go and book. So if hotels were smart, it's like another form of SEO. It's like, how do you get, even if people are searching through other websites like that, how do you get them to come back and book onto your platform? And originally it was like, let's give them the best available rate. But that wasn't the case. Cause I could mm-hmm. get that from Expedia. So it was like, okay, so then let me reinvent my rewards program and get people to be enticed to come in. But that really wasn't the case because Expedia was doing the same thing. Or you're going through points through your credit card. I mean, you have the points guy, like these people yep. that are coming out and like breaking the industry by saying like, here, you can book this way and use your points in this way. So I think a lot of hotels what they were doing is really reinventing their rewards program and giving different perks and benefits to being a member, you know, of the Marriott Rewards or the Hyatt Global Passport, right? And so you you need to again re- with standards like you can have that consistency and you can do that with like branding to have it like this is what it looks like, this is a Marriott brand renaissance, this is a Hyatt Centric brand. This is what it's going to look like all the time because this is our dedicated branding to that. But the ease and simplicity can be changed and their websites are still super complicated. yeah they still like you're still navigating around any of these websites. it's like you have to go through a million different like streams just to find look for hotel rooms like what do they look like? It takes sometimes it takes me so long to see when I want to go visit somewhere like what does a room look like? That's all I want to know like I want to look like no like has it been recently updated? Like why are those things? so easy to find on a website. Like that, that boggles my mind till this day. Like I don't get it.
0: You're you're probably my, if my wife listens to this, she's probably (laughs) cheering when she does, because she's the researcher in the family. So I'm a, um, give me three options. Let me evaluate them. And within 10 minutes, I'll make a decision. And she's, uh, there's a world of information. We will spend 10 years looking for the right thing. And so she <laughs> she probably deals with what you're talking about, and I just don't know it. I'm like, oh, this is a pretty hotel. Thank you for finding it. <laughs> she, she's my personal travel advisor. Um, oh, there but, you go. I mean... <laughs> yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, I was like, sometimes you have to call the hotel directly and be like, have you been renovated recently? So I feel her pain. I definitely feel her pain.
0: One of her most magic moments, and this is not about my wife, but I will share. She, <laughs> We went to Greece a few years back and um, she found this hotel in uh, Santorini, um, which how do I explain it? So, for those who know Santorini, you know that's it's, bo- it's mostly on a cliff. It's like so mm-hmm. everything's kind of into the cliff. Um, it's it's very uh, high elevation, not high ele- elevation, but it's not on a beach. Like you have to go down to a beach, basically. Um, and she found this hotel that was rather new, newly renovated, yada yada. And it was one of the it was the cave rooms. And when we got there, there there were only nine. Rooms on wow. three three per level on three levels, and it was run by the restaurant, and they basically had taken their storage and renovated them into beautiful, like gorgeous cave uh, rooms, and it didn't have a pool or anything, but we didn't really need that. Um, and I got there and I just laughed. I'm like, only you would find this. Like, <laughs> this is so great. And then, like, you know, I'd wake up and I'd climb like the one flight of stairs, and I'd basically have breakfast on top of our room. Anyway, it was just a really wonderful oh God, experience. Crazy. So high Does five she, to my I hope
1: she, Exactly. I hope she keeps like a note of where she's traveled and maybe she has her own blog that she can uh, upload because that's how I also have been finding unique places such as that. Mm. Like what you're telling me and describing is because you learn from other people that have found places off the beaten path that you can't just find like through the internet with an ease of a like search. Right, and so those are really cool. Like I think blogs and people traveling to those kind of destinations have really also opened up the, you know, marketing and like word of mouth of like where to go and where to where to like where to stay, which I love. And hotels need to be smart about smart about that. Right, it's now the micro influencer. It's not just the influencer anymore. It's the micro influencer that doesn't have eighty thousand plus people, but maybe it's like a thousand followers on Instagram or whatever. But they really like can introduce you to places like that. So kudos to your wife. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah she doesn't have a blog, um, but maybe she should. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so that's, you know, mentioned micro influencer versus influencer. And, um, I, I think influencers are very much a hot button issue for hoteliers and, and brands in general. Um, I, I speculate that what I'm seeing is that influencers are losing their traction, especially as they're exposed. Um, you know, there, there is the storied, um, uh, what is it? Private jet in LA, I believe that you can rent to take influencer pictures in to make it look like you're balling <laughs> out. Um, and I think the more people hear about this, the more trust influencers lose with the people that they're meant to influence. So do do you think that we're seeing that trend is it a trend? Do you think it's dying down? And um, are micro influencers, meaning trustworthy individuals that don't have a huge following, are they the future? Are they the people that hotels should be reaching out to?
1: Yeah, and that's a great question because I think like there's so many conversations on how to pick the right people to work with you when you're coming into these hotels and what what. I guess, a set of rules that you can look at when you're checking out somebody's profile, again, to see if they if they have 100,000 followers, but how much actual engagement do they have? Are they really going to these places? And that's funny that you say that. I remember being at the Freehand Hotel and somebody had like, paid for a day rate and just took t- took it like taking pictures at the pool and then left and I was like wait you're not staying here I'm so confused <laughs> but like it, it, it's like it, social media is not real right exactly yeah. and I think that's where micro influencers and hotels being really smart about how they st- like choose people to work with that are quite impactful that don't have these massive followings but their intentions and their posts are real mm-hmm. and their their experiences that they're sharing are real and they're valid, and they've been like validated, and they're actually genuine, because that makes you really trust that person. And how do you do that with social media? And so that's the tricky part. But that's why I do believe micro influencers are kind of like the, you know, the future of who you're going to be working with, you can say content creators now and like some thought leaders in the industry also. So also going away from the word influencer as well.
0: Right. Yeah. I think there's, there's almost a demand for, uh, and what you're kind of, I think touching on is a demand for honesty. And I think honesty isn't solely about telling the truth when the truth is pretty. It's, <laughs> it's about also telling the truth when it's ugly, you know, and yeah. that's something we talk about at Vigor a lot is when we, when we talk about our monthly reports with a marketing, uh, client, um, we're not going to hide the ugly numbers because that is that's not marketing. You know, there will be right. ugly numbers. We have to address them together, collaboratively, learn from them, develop a path forward. If you hide them, it's sweeping dirt under the carpet. Eventually, you lift that carpet, and <laughs> there is just a shitload yeah. of dirt. <laughs> um, you know, so I think it's almost the same thing with influencers. It's like, yeah, we know you have a highlight reel, but maybe we need to see some of your lowlights. Maybe we need to see. Some of the bad things, maybe give a bad review, not a bad review, but an honest review uh, where you have criticisms of places that you are, maybe show an image where you accidentally fell into the pool when you were trying to take that perfect shot, you know, yeah, in, your, totally. in your beautiful outfit, right? Um, <laughs> and just get, get real with people. I think that that could be. And then maybe the same thing with hotels, because you touched on that high level of service. You know, so when I when I go to a hotel, if I booked with an OTA, like maybe uh, hotels.com, they're not paying me for that. Maybe they should. Um, <laughs> Sponsored. That's right. Are you listening, hotels? Um, <laughs> so if I book there versus if I book direct through like Marriott Bonvoy, also not paying me. Um, you know, but is there a demand for... A different experience, meaning I don't want to encourage hotels to give a poor experience to those who book with OTAs, but maybe it's more a reframe of if you booked direct, you get better things, not necessarily better hospitality, but just something notable, you know, and something to draw people from, or at least consider like, hey, I went to the OTA because I'm just saving a ton of money there and I, you know, blah, blah, blah. But If I book direct, I'll have a comparable rate and I'll have this thing. And I don't know if points is really doing that.
1: No, you're right. It's the incentive, right? What's the incentive for me booking directly through your website? Like what are those perks? And I, you you see like these marketing ads, like the email marketing, um, you get bombarded with with so many different companies that you just by accident also sign up for newsletters. Um, Hyatt just recently had a sale for their Hyatt, Ziva, and Zolara properties. Mm-hmm. And it was a Cinco de Mayo sale. And their incentive was like book directly with us. You could, you could see. And then it was like you have $200 credit to either use towards the spa or food and beverage, and you can't get that booking through Expedia. So I don't know if that's like innovative only, like if that's what mm-hmm. they need to do, but like curating packages like that, that gives some sort of credit that incentivizes people to spend money. So I'm booking through hotels.com or Expedia, and I don't get that package. The right the rate might be maybe a $200 difference either way. But if I get an extra $200, $300 like credit used on the resort, like, I'm going to be more motivated to book directly with their website. Do I get a bottle of champagne when I arrive? Does, if I'm traveling with my kids, do my kids get like <laughs> a little stuffed animal with like a uh, customized name like on it or like a note from the general manager? Like what are those things like to create those powerful moments are right. so important because that's what's going to get people to come back to that property, to that company, because they had a great experience there. And that moment was so memorable. Those are the things people remember. Like You don't remember every moment about an experience, but there's some that are so impactful that that stays with you. And those are the reasons why people will come back and continue to book with you.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, because it's it's the things that you don't have to do to check the box of a good experience. Um, I just actually... You're, I can't even stress how right you are on this. I just got totally, um, I don't want to say suckered, but they got me. They got me. I got an email from Weston uh, two weeks ago uh, for their Capilani uh, resort in Maui. And um, Elisa, my wife and I, we, we've been to Hawaii a couple of times, but never to Maui. We've always go to Oahu. We have some friends there. Um, Alan, if you're listening, we love you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Mayu, sorry. Um, anyway, so it was 698 okay. $6. for five nights wow. and you could book within the next 15 months and you only needed to pay $199 just to secure it. And what you just said was very much a part of that. Um, you had a choice of $75, uh, certificate to their amenities, uh, or I think a free car for a day or something like wow. that, but they had three options and you could choose which one you want. Now, the thing that that those options didn't hook me. Those options were a little bit of a, Hmm, that's a nice addition. Um, however, I think that's because they, they buried those options in very small type, like type along with the body of the actual email itself. So they didn't bold it. They didn't call it out. Mm -hmm. But my God. Like, could you imagine if they did? And then, you know, that, that would have like been a real, I mean, they, they win. I I got hooked. I bought it. But, um, (laughs) you know, imagine, how even you know, other people like who aren't um, impulsive suckers like I am? <laughs> you know, maybe. Well, those look, I, mean, I was,
1: yeah, I bought the Hyatt, <laughs> got the Hyatt package, and then I sent it to my sister. I sent it to my cousin. I sent yes. it to my brothers. I have identical brothers; they're twins. And so, and, and then my sister sent it to her best friend, and then it became like a group of us now going to Hyatt for my sister's birthday in September because I found this deal. Actually, she forwarded it to me. And then I was like, this is a steal. And imagine like you're saying, Oh, they, a car for a day. You know how expensive to rent a car in Hawaii is like, so if they had highlighted that you could have, and like gra- grab a couple of other friends and like this is a huge like deal like do you guys all want to meet and this is in the future so looking towards the future more people are getting vaccinated they have the ability to travel safer and so even if you're booking that far out the cancellation policy for a lot of these great um, deals are 24 hours before the day of arrival so that gives you an incentive also to book it
0: yeah, absolutely. I did the same thing. You know, I think I've told like six or seven people. Yeah. I mean, the, the deal's expired now. Um, unlike you, like where you, it sounds like you like to collect people to enjoy with. I'm, I'm very much like, yeah, just don't go when I go. Like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to hang out with you on vacation. I want to be left alone. But um, it's it has so it has that juice. It has that extra energy beyond just the the recipient. Um, it, and it fuels word of mouth. Like that's exactly what it's doing. And um, that could be quite lucrative, I think, when it comes to hotel marketing. Let's um, dive into food and beverage just a little bit because you have a bunch of experience there. And, you know, one thing that I noticed when I look when when I've traveled and um, to be completely clear, I, we've only traveled to uh, Caribbean, Latin America a little bit and mostly um, Europe. Uh, so we, we have not been able to get to Africa, Asia or any of them. They're on the list. It's just haven't gotten there yet. Um, with your travels, what is like one of the biggest differences between international hospitality, which is a really big blanket term, and American hospitality, another blanket term, but you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I love I love this question because the in- invention or the the reimagination of the boutique hotels, like Ian Schrager, you can't talk about boutique hotels without bringing up Ian Schrager going around the world had like I was introduced more before boutique hotels were a thing in the States to boutique hotels mm-hmm. internationally, especially Europe. And I think that's where the influence was brought to come back over to the States. Also, we are the king and queens um, and non-binaries of um, standardization. So the larger hotels c- kind of come from the United States, besides a couple of the other ones. Like the main ones, like the Marriotts of the world, pre- previously the Starwoods, Hilton, Hyatt, come from the United States. And like we have this standardization of like going into just like you said the, with the burger, the design used to be a Marriott in Los Angeles almost looked similar to one in Lima, Peru, right? Mm-hmm. And so. That in a like that kind of like local flair was really what I first discovered traveling internationally and then kind of what Ian Schrager reimagined in the United States and created all you know the Morgans group and all these other incredible um, properties that came about Kimton um, but that was really for me the biggest difference that I saw and also from my travels overseas was the adaptability of different positions. So the person checking you in was also your concierge because Mm -hmm. rooms and buildings aren't as large as they are here. Everything is a lot bigger in the States. It's not as big. I mean, of course you travel to Asia and that, that kind of goes out the window. Um, But that kind of, that, that, that like, ability to connect with somebody throughout your entire stay, the entire time, because you don't have to go speak to a different person that checked you in to go ask for a really great place to go get, like have a an, uh, an bite to eat. And then also bringing it back to food and beverage internationally, you could have an amazing meal at your hotel. Mm-hmm. That's only, it started to kind of come about in the States. Like in the like, mid 2000s, let's say 2008 ish around then after the crash, I'd say restaurants started to become really independent properties in uh, hotels here. But that was something that you could have in a phenomenal meal in a hotel anywhere else in the world. Right. And sometimes you only, you had to eat at the hotel because there was n- really no options anywhere else. Like if you're somewhere in the middle of Africa or in Tanzania, like there's not really, if you're going on safari, like there's not that very many options to go out and have food. So Mm -hmm. the inspirations of that kind of like the local food was coming into the hotel. So you had to kind of eat at the hotel. So the food had to be good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there, there are a lot of things that influence that as well. Like you said, the crash, but then I think um, the best way it was put to me that really, you know, let it sink in as to the power of F and B is it's one of the last stands for incremental revenue for hotels. And yet you still have, People who put very little investment into it, uh, treat it like uh, just another room in the hotel, as opposed to a completely separate brand that needs its own operations, its own focus. And it, it's it's not just infuriating to me because, of course, we want to do that work at vigor, but it's it's infuriating because what a missed opportunity! Um, oh God, yeah, you know, and we we have experiences uh, with clients where, when when done right, when created effectively. That F&B experience not only brings in the incremental revenue uh, during daily, weekly, monthly operations, but when the time comes for a potential acquisition, it jacks up the price of acquisitions significantly into seven figures um, as as another line item, Um, even just the brand itself when done right. And we've seen some fantastic, um, I'm sure you have too, I'd love to hear what your favorites are, but some fantastic F&B experiences, Um, for instance, It's actually, I don't think it was great the second time I visited, but at 11 Howard in New York, in Manhattan, stayed there. They have a bar on the, uh, uh, I forget which floor, called The Blonde. It's just very well done, moody, great drinks. Uh, The second time I went, it was less, less. I think it's not being operated as best as it could be. Um, But then there's another one in uh, Denver that I think has a Death & Co. Uh, oh, bar yeah, the and Rambler it, Hotel. The yeah. Rambler, yeah. Yeah. Um, fantastically done from top to bottom. And, of course, not every hotel has to have this. I mean, I think it's about a sense of, um, you know, what what moment are you trying to create? So, for instance, if you have very uh, skittish travelers who are very not adventurous, then maybe having a Marriott that looks exactly like the Marriott that they know is a good thing. Um But I think for folks like yourself and and me, um, I want that different. I want that uniqueness. Yeah.
1: And you know what you say, like, even the Marriott can be innovative with their restaurant. You can come in to use these properties also as partnerships with different restaurateurs that want to come into the space and create like an amazing uh, experience so it becomes a destination and Mm -hmm. it's not just like your all-day dining restaurant like you're checking off the list like my lobby lounge my all-day dining like my like it's a check check but you're starting to put a backstory into the creation of these spaces and then maybe working with a different designer maybe it's not the same designer that designed the hotel what? it's like a restaurant designer, a it's like, separate one, a designer? yeah <laughs> can, can we bring another consultant into the mix you know like Why not like get get a company that is known for their food and beverage design and that knows how to work that field and create concepts and beautiful designs. But in the restaurant world and then when you walk into that space, even if it's connected into the hotel and you can go straight off the lobby, you're going into a different location. And you have to do that more so with resorts because people spend so much time at those properties. So the average right. nights are like more three to four than, than one night and a half, two nights. So they want difference. They want to have options. They want to go try out the Mexican restaurant and the Asian the other night. So you do that with resorts. Like, why can't we have that in a hotel like a Marriott? And then it becomes a destination that the locals are also dining there.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's that's that, you know, that's on the forefront of other And you know, How do we get yeah. the locals to come in? It's like, well, you don't get them to come in by making <laughs> it look like uh, you know, your um meeting room. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know. Exactly. I can tell you how not to do it. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I think they started catching on then the pandemic hit and now things have shifted so much um with focus and like you said Airbnb is I mean, it's not just they're looking over their shoulders. I think a lot of brands have completely turned around and they're staring them down. Cause they're like, Holy, Holy Moses. This is a, a real thing. Um, even Marriott, didn't they just launch uh, an Airbnb competitor? I believe, or something uh, that is meant to, you know, kind of fight back a little bit.
1: They're really good at like, Either acquiring or launching something on their own, they did that when uh, companies like per- Preferred Hotels of the World, they they did that with autograph collection. So I'm mm-hmm. I don't know I haven't read that, but that would be so cool to see that them trying to answer that. Um, yeah who knows because like so, like saunders also is another company that is is a tech driven company that is going to and hotels are not looking at them yet i know that from my conversations with some of these hoteliers but you need to start looking at these companies like airbnb building experiences saunders coming into the space that sure they're like coming into long term like longer term stays but they are going into the hotel market now mm-hmm. we need to be looking at everything coming in and using those kind of industry uh new new companies coming in as inspiration for change and and really technology is the future right technology is what's going to um need to be updated and we're dinosaurs when it comes to uh the larger chain hotels
0: yeah i I would say it's not the future it's the now right it's
1: it's the now correct it's like currently yeah
0: yeah, it's funny. I've mentioned this numerous times, so apologize if people have heard this already, but I I I spoke at, at the Fed conference, which was put on by Zumba Group. They have Restaurant Design and Development Magazine, amongst others. And this is back in 20, I want to say 19. Um, and, and it was in Chicago, and I and I spoke about the future of restaurants. And the, the technology innovation obviously was very much the underlying theme there. Um, now I didn't predict a pandemic, but the pandemic just, it just, uh, steamrolled it, it yeah. fast forwarded us. And at this point, it's like, if, if you're not considering or not planning tech implementations and upgrades, you might as well be shutting the doors. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're behind and, and you need to catch up pretty damn quick. Um, so you're well-traveled, um, we could talk about this for a very long time. But my final question is, <laughs> where is your favorite place to visit and why? And then what hotel or accommodations do you stay while there?
1: That is such a hard question because I love to travel like to new destinations all the time because I want to see the world. And I, I just like, like, you're like, I haven't visited Africa yet. And the goal is to go to these different countries in in Asia as well. And so I've, I've been fortunate enough to go to so many of these places. So I keep wanting to go to a new destination, but if I'm going to say the one I go consistently back to is going to be Mexico in proximity, and it's always self-discovery, like going to Cabo is super easy to go. And it's a different, like, what kind of vacation am I looking for? Um, what I love about Mexico is that I could stay at a all-inclusive resort with my family and have my two-year-old son like enjoy the beach and the pool, but then I can also travel to Oaxaca and like discover food and I can go to Mexico city and discover the nightlife Mm -hmm. and travel just with my husband and friends. So Mexico for me is that that's like, there's so much in Mexico and there's so many different cities that give you. Um, different type of cuisine. Of course, Mexican food is like one of my favorites, so I can eat it all day, every day. And then tequila and mezcal. So for me, like <laughs> the different, like the the different geography of Mexico is, is absolutely one of my go-to destinations. Like I keep going back for more and more and more and more and more.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic to hear. I, I feel like um, I personally, I haven't written off Mexico, but it hasn't, it's never struck me as, this destination, and maybe it's because it's proximity. Um, so you know, our our little agreement in our household is that we'll do the close things later in life. Let's do the far things while while we're young and can kind of get there. Uh, meaning, we can get to Mexico fairly easy, especially from Atlanta, right? And you right. know, from from LA, it's it's a quick hop. It's like what a th- four hour flight, maybe five max max. Depends Two? on where you're
1: going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah but so, you know what? Don't, don't knock it down. Cause even if you're going to the far destinations, if you want to go just on a weekend trip, like a little bit, like four days, you have that opportunity with Mexico because it's so close and mm-hmm. you go to discover places like Tulum where you really get a different vibe than going to like in two hours drive away from it, Cancun or right. Mayacoba. Like really there's such a different experience in all of these different destinations in Mexico. It, you just, you just like, it's, I mean, it's, you get a different type of vacation, which I love. Like you yeah. go for one that's more music centric, one that's like more food centric, one that's more like lazy. Let's relax and, and enjoy. So, I, I mean, I, I commend you. Like I'm telling you now, don't knock it down. You have to go just go on like a three, four day trip and you, you will call me and you're going to be like, Oh my God, you were so right.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm not knocking it. Cause I don't think it's gonna be great. It's just, uh, easier to get there, but you're right. We could hop down for a few, like just a few days. Puerto yeah. Rico ends up getting like my, my vote because I'm of Puerto Rican descent. And so it's an Island that I know it's an Island that I love, but um, Tulum is, it's very high on my list to visit. It looks like a dream. Thanks influencers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's also quite an interesting, like strip Of all these sustainable hotels that like, Hmm. I mean, you go in there and you're looking at five-star service from like a more like, um, how do I say this? It's like a more off-the-beaten pathway. It's not like five-star service with marble materials into the location, but of sustainable materials, local materials that are being used. So that's what I love also about Tulum. Not just the parties, but also the food. The food scene there is insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I heard, and you know it's funny that you bring up um, the sustainable, like the Echo Hotel ideal, because um, I feel like that's that's been overshadowed by what do we do after this pandemic, you know? Like, but Echo hotels are amazing. We stayed at one in um, the Azores in Sal Miguel Island. Yeah, e- easily one of my favorite hotels to stay in. It was just wonderful, and not a ton of money to stay there. Um, Azores, by the way, is my. If the higher power came down and say, "Hey, you got one last one. You can't do anything new. You have to revisit." Then it would be it would be the Azores for sure. Oh,
1: that's amazing!
0: It, gorgeous set of islands, very very lightly touched by tourism uh, in all the right ways. So. Um, that's great, but Hey, we're at uh, a little over 40 minutes. We could probably talk all day. Um, <laughs> so Ozzy and I, we met on clubhouse. And so I do encourage any listeners, if you love what she's saying, if you love the sounds of her voice, easy to love, um, <laughs> you know, definitely catch her on clubhouse, catch me on clubhouse. We will continue conversations like this all the time. Uh, but outside of clubhouse Ozzy, how can people get in touch with you and where can they find you?
1: So you can find me on um, obviously clubhouse. So I'm on LinkedIn, Ozzy Kashani. That's A-Z-Z-I. I I like to spell my name and throw people off (laughs) spelling it Ozzy like that. Um, And you can catch me there or on Instagram, which is also my clubhouse handle. It's A-Z-Z-I-K. So Ozzy K. That's, where to find me. And you can slide into my DMs, the new (laughs) tech terminology. Um, And I'm, I'm super um, open to conversations and I love connecting with people in hospitality industry, but so much more. I love hospitality and more um, and everything, food and beverage. And I am actually, it's really early in the morning, my time having my matcha, but This afternoon, I will have a little uh, sip on some mezcal later, so. (laughs) Uh,
0: Nice. Maybe I'll join you that from the other side of the uh, nation, and we can just cheers (laughs) into the air.
1: (laughs) Exactly, right?
0: (laughs) I love it. Well, this has been great. Thanks so much for your time, your insights, and and of course, uh, your energy, and uh, we'll catch you real soon.
1: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure, and I look forward to hearing you more often, and seeing you too.
0: Awesome. If you love what we've served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. fortales Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021. Vigor Graphic Design, LLC. All rights reserved.